For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of work. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. Happy Thursday, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Richard Skipper Celebrates. Who or what are you celebrating today? As you all know, I believe that every day is to be celebrated if we take the time to do so. And all this month, I am celebrating one of my favorite subjects, and that's cabaret. I've been a part of cabaret uh, for 35 years. And um, she's probably going to pass out in the wings when I say this, but my first director in cabaret is here today. And I'm so excited because two of our guests today are going to be uh, joining me on different nights, of course, uh, for Capital Cabaret in Washington, D.C. at Crazy Aunt Helen's. And so we're going to be talking about the series. I have two of the other artists that are going to be joining us uh, during the series and the man who is the impresario who is behind all of this. I'm very excited because for the first time in four years, I'm getting back to performing in front of a live audience. This has been fun, but I've missed those faces and seeing everyone. And thank God that we've reached a point where my audience, I hope, will not be wearing masks. So I'll be able to see those eyes, those mouths, those smiling faces. Well, I am kicking off the series, but the very next night, one of my favorite people in all of Cabaret is going to be appearing as well. And that is Anna Bergman. Hi. <laughs> Hello, Anna. How are you? Hi, sweetheart. I'm well. Thank you. And you're not on jury duty. I'm not. I got off. <laughs> <laughs> I have been dreading. It's been so long since I've done it that I've been dreading that they're going to call me any minute. So uh, thank God that you were able to be here today. Sure. Uh, well, I have to begin. Uh, you recently, you and our other guest, Lena Katrakas, as well, both left New York. I mean, not completely, but yeah. you have picked up your roots. You've gone somewhere else. And I think that's the theme of your upcoming show. Yeah, it is. Travel and living around the world. So, yeah, we, uh, my husband and I moved three years ago, actually, last week um, to a beautiful place. We are just blissfully happy here. We're in um, Northern Virginia. We're in Alexandria, Virginia, just literally right across the river from Washington, D.C. and Maryland. So it's um, heaven. We love it. We just really, ha we're happy here. And how did you get on the radar of Capital Cabaret? Ah, interesting. Okay. So my musical director in, um, in this area is the exceedingly gifted Howard Breitbart. And um, he, when we did one of my performances, um, it actually in my home, it was a private salon um, here in our house, uh, Howard suggested that I invite Parker Nolan. And I did, I invited Parker and his husband and um, I was so delighted to, um, to meet them both and they, uh, and Parker asked me if I would be interested in joining this fantastic inaugural Capital Cabaret Festival. So here we are. It's exciting, isn't it? Yeah. So have you been to Crazy Ann Helens? I haven't yet. I'm so excited though to go and see it. Yeah, no, I haven't been yet. So Anna, I want to talk a little bit about uh, your work prior to this. You've done so much work in almost every area of the business. Um, mm -hmm. But you keep coming back to Cabaret, and Cabaret keeps welcoming you back. What is it about Cabaret that pulls you in? You know, um, it's a great question. Uh, I started my career in, in um, opera and found that that wasn't... Um, quite the right fit for me, though I loved training for it um, and singing some of the music. But then I went into straight theater. And then um, when I moved to New York, uh, I, I, I actually started my career in the Washington area with all these phenomenal theaters here. Um, and then when I moved to New York, the concert doors opened and I made my Carnegie Hall debut as a soloist. 
in Ira Gershwin at 100 and the, the Centennial Tribute. And then I realized that I really loved concert work and I loved cabaret because I loved the removal of the fourth wall. Mm -hmm. I had been acting in musicals and plays and theater uh, and opera. And what I loved was singing directly into the eyes and hearts of the audience. And that intimacy um, really turned me on. I really loved it. So I made a career in singing with symphonies and cabaret and, you know, uh, all of the above. So continued also with theater and some opera, but. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I'm blind as a bat. I wear contact lenses. And when I first started in this business, uh, growing up in South, I didn't get contact lenses until after I moved to New York. Because my parents, very old fashioned in South Carolina, thought they were a luxury. And I remember going in and uh, getting my first pair of contact lenses. And I remember the uh, the doctor saying to me, it may be very frightening to you once you're able to see an audience walking on stage. But I always say, and Parker, pay attention. I always say that I'm a lighting designer's worst nightmare because the lighting is not important to me. I want to see the faces of every single yes. in the audience. Yeah. And I want to see the ones in the back row as well. So there's nothing like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's and and then you really feel the power of the healing of music. Mm -hmm. You know, people crying and and so ecstatically happy and really thinking about what you're singing. And it's just this um human interaction this way of communicating artistically there's it's just an extraordinary experience do you remember the first time that you saw a cabaret show um gosh i mean i i made my debut at danny's in mm. 2000 so it was probably around that time Specifically, I'm not sure. No, I don't remember. That's a great question. I'll have to really think about that. As you started pulling your first show, um, and everyone needs to know, it's not just about you or me or Lena uh, or Ann Kittredge standing center stage and singing. It's a collaborative process, uh, pulling the right people in. Did you already have that team or did the team start to come together as a result of your first cabaret show? Um, I met Alex Ryback mm. on the, the great Alex Ryback on, um, I was doing theater guild tours. Uh, thanks to my mentor, Leroy Reams. Ah, oh, who we love. Oh, my heart. Yeah, so Leroy hired me to do six of those theater guild tours that were cruises that were so extraordinary. And Alex and Dennis Buck were the musical directors and Alex, and I, you know, we we decided to put together an act, um, uh, very much like the show I'm going to be doing now. Actually, my original cabaret show, uh, which was recorded as well with Alex and beautiful um, Jared Egan on bass, um, "Souvenir" was songs and stories of growing up in the Foreign Service, um, and that was my first Believe show. I saw. Did you really? I see it. Yes, at oh. Danny's. At Danny's, yeah. <laughs> So that was the beginning. It was with Alex. So it was really Alex. It was actually Leroy. Now I'm remembering. Leroy said to me as I was singing and performing with all these illustrious stars on the Theater Guild cruises, you know, he'd say, well, we're going to France. Can you sing anything in French? And I said, well, actually, yes, I do sing in French or we're going to Germany or whatever, or Italy. We're going to be going to, you know, an Italian place. And do you sing in those? And I'd say, well, actually, yes, I do. I sing in French and German and Italian. And so then it was Leroy who said, you need to do a club act with all these places that you've lived and tell the story and sing in these various styles of music in these various languages. So that's how Souvenir and the collaboration with Alex came to be. So you're reminding me now that it was really Leroy that started this whole thing. Well, Leroy, it's amazing. When I was performing as Carol Channing, I could not get Leroy to come see me for oh. love or money oh. for years, for years. And people would go to Leroy and say, you've got to see Richard Skipper do Carol. And he said, I've seen every drag queen from here to San Francisco and back. I'm not interested. Oh. And we ended up in a showcase together at the York Theater. 
And I remember being on stage and seeing Leroy standing in the back, grinning from ear to ear. To me, that was the validation oh, that I absolutely. wanted and needed. And then he came backstage and he said, you son of a bitch, you're better than she is. <laughs> and Leroy- and he would know. From and that moment know. on, we have been incredible friends. He was just here a few weeks ago. I did a concert for our church. My dear friend, Peggy Eason, who passed away, we put together a memorial service and Leroy came and performed oh. as part of a church concert. He is just the best. There's he no is. one better. I love him madly. And he's just, yeah. He's, he's the real deal, you know. And when you got Leroy Reeves in your corner. For him to compliment you, and you were you were an artist so brilliant. You're not still doing Carol, but you- Oh, no, no, those days are long. Oh, my gosh. Well, this, this show is all about the people I've worked with, the people I've known, and the life lessons I've learned in this business. So, oh, And it's all based on questions from the audience. So I have no idea what's going to happen until I get on the stage. I know what the songs are. I have the incredible Michael Mackesy. Uh, who is my musical director and co-star, uh, because it's not just him sitting at the piano. There's a lot of interaction between the two of us. So I am so thrilled to be working with him. So I am going to bring on, I, I reached out uh, to Ann Kettridge, and unfortunately she could not be here today, but she did send me a sizzle reel. Uh, so we get a chance okay. for everyone to see a glimpse of what Ann will do. And I've seen this show and I know that she's watching, she's on the road, but oh. Ann, the show is brilliant and everyone's in for a real treat. And on top of that, she's also doing a masterclass. So oh, here she is. Heart will still be in Tia. Why'd you have to be so good? Life is bad, gloom and misery everywhere. Stormy weather just can't get my poor self together another day has just begun good night dearly and such a great friend but i want to tell you before i bring our next guest on how it all began for me uh i had done a lot of uh showcases in new york uh acting going from show to show to show to show mm -hmm. and making no money like we make a lot of money in cabaret <laughs> but i went to a career coach and she said you should put your own show together and i didn't know what i wanted to do how i wanted to do it or anything but at that time, I was seeing a lot of shows, and I would check in to see who the director was for all those shows. And the name that kept coming up over and over and over again was Lena Katrakis. <laughs> so I called Lena, and I said, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I want to do a show. And Lena, I'm going to pull her on while I say, tell her this story. And she said, that's a great place to start. And then I decided crazy little Richard here, that I was going to do my own tribute to Judy Garland. Uh. I called Lena. Lena said, I don't know anything about Judy beyond The Wizard of Oz. Uh, but we went to her apartment and we went through all these clips. 
And we came up with this idea of doing an imaginary taping of the Judy Garland show. And Lena was the absolute best person to get me started in this business. And she opened a lot of doors for me. And But it wasn't with, Car uh, with Judy that I had the success. It all happened with Carol. But Lena was there from the very beginning. And she was, and I'm going to say this, we know you as uh, an incredible entertainer, Lena. But you are a brilliant director. And you are so nurturing and so caring mm -hmm. that every single person in this business should go to you to direct uh, you, them. And that's how I'm going to start with you today. Uh, Welcome to the show. You're, you're muted. I was going to say thank you and good night, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> but forget about the directing. You are a brilliant entertainer and you just knocked them dead at Birdland, sold out. Yeah. And from what I understand, it was like old home week. People were there that you haven't seen from what I've been hearing in years and years and years. People who were in the audience said, oh my God, I saw so-and-so again. So that's a testament to you. I was, it was lovely. Listen, I haven't done a solo show in about seven years. Oh. And uh, for 20 years, I was doing my rock and roll band, simultaneously doing cabaret shows and working a lot, uh, directing, doing workshops, all that kind of great stuff. And then I thought, you know what? I, I was also with my singing group, Clearly Now, uh, with Sean Harkness, and uh, who you just saw in the Ann Kittredge clip, and Marcus Simeone, who sings, you know, better than anybody in the world. Mm -hmm. If I didn't love him, I would hate him, of course. <laughs> but um, uh, And then I thought, it's time. It's time to do something. And I'd never done Birdland. I was a Birdland virgin. The bottom line, Rainbow and Stars, Joe's Pub, but B never B Birdland. B Kings. Right, BB Kings, right? And I did Birdland and I had a blast. Everything from the Great American Songbook, just with the trio, with Ted Firth at the piano. So, uh, you know, even if I was mediocre, that was going to be a brilliant show. And... uh and I got to sing some some songs I wrote, and we got to wail and sing the rock blues too. It was, I'm still flying from it. I don't know why I waited so long. Well, you are a recent Sadie Sadie. You just yes. recently got married. I am, and I'd show you my ring, but I left it in the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am. I am a Sadie. Yes. Yeah. So, Lena, what was it that wanted to, I mean, you've been, I mean, although you haven't done a solo show, as you just said, you are busier than anyone. Uh, what was it that brought you back to doing this? And how did you get on the radar of Parker? I think that, uh, look, I'm really lucky. Richard, um, I was cutting my directorial teeth with you on that brilliant Judy show. I gotta say, what a great idea you had. And we did a great job and we were green, 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 you and me. I have and to tell everybody, we were doing shows on Friday and Saturday night at midnight and tucking them in. That's, listen, thank you because now I am a really good director now. And it's because <laughs> of my clients. And I work with such a high level of people that I kept watching the sound checks one day and I thought, oh, what am I doing? I want to get up there and count the band off. It really just like a light bulb. And Jim Caruso whispered, truly whispered in my ear, say, why don't you do a show at Birdland? And like a bing, I thought, why I never thought of that. And then I said, yes. And how did you start putting your team together? I mean, Ted Firth, I mean, phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. And how did you get him? I mean, <laughs> talk about busy. I mean, he's super busy. You know, I started a recording workshop and I have to say it's one of the most satisfying workshops I get to do because I have made eight albums in my life uh, and I learned as I went. It is the most expensive lessons I've ever learned. And nobody ever from a singer's point of view tells you how not to make all the mistakes I made. And I thought, I want to do this with Ted. So I said, whenever you have one day, let me know. 
and he gave me a day three months in advance and now we're going on our fourth recording workshop and I have two scheduled with Sean Harkness and so he was there and I said listen I'm sick of listening to you play for everybody else all I want to do is sing with you do you have Monday of blah 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 available and he said yes everybody said yes so I thought okay I'm doing Birdland so it was so much fun now, before we went live, you yes. told me, and I hope you don't mind my telling this, you just recently, you know, you and I are both South Carolinians. Yeah. But you just went back. You have a house that you bought in uh, South Carolina. What compelled you to get out of the house and go on the road again? Because, I mean, first of all, New York and now Washington, D.C. Uh, what is it that pulls you in that direction? <laughs> you know, beats me. I think it's part of the reason I teach is because I want to have this conversation with other people who do this, you know, with you, with Anna, with Parker, with people who have gone before me, come before me. I just, I don't know what it is. We are a very unique lot, you know, where, um, look, I live in New York City and uh, Anna, I'm much like you. You were your your parents were foreign service. Mine was a Navy doctor. Yeah, yeah. So I lived all over the place, different yeah. states, different countries. And wow. South Carolina is one of them that called to me the, the loudest, the longest. So I run down here whenever I can now. And like you said, Alexandria, I lived in Quantico, Virginia for a while. So I was your neighbor. And yeah. I, I, I love it too. But yeah. I don't know. There. Do we just want to be witnessed? Are we, you know, people say something like, well, I don't want to have an ego. Well, if you don't have one, you're not going to get up on stage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I guess it's forever a fine balance, wanting to be witnessed, needing to say something to somebody that you wished somebody had said to you. Mm -hmm. Something like what you said, Richard, that you just want to share your life lessons. I do too. Mm -hmm. I wished I'd had a thousand mentors. And so if I can be one, if I learn something with eight albums, I want to tell it to you so you can do a brilliant first one, you know? And, and I want to do that when I front a band or sing with a piano. Well, you bring up an interesting point. Anna, you know, mentioned Leroy Reams. Leroy right. Reams being a great mentor and saying, yeah. You should do this. You should go for it. Who was the person for you, Lena, who said, you should do this. You should go for it early on in your career. My beautiful, once in a lifetime soulmate forever, Mr. Dick Gallagher at the piano. Oh. Yes. Oh, just the best. You know, my first cabaret show you asked, I went to, uh, I discovered Bette Midler and thought, oh, okay, what is that? Now, that is a combination of everything I want to do. But for some reason, I can hear every word she's saying. It's, it was Janis Joplin and Bette Midler who had a heart connection. And I thought, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. I want to sing like that. I, I, want to, I want to feel it. And then my first real cabaret show was this girl who had just gotten here from Chicago named Karen Mason. Aww. She had on a tangerine blouse and her hair was in a bun. I'll never <laughs> let her forget. I, I went to her first night at Don't Tell Mama. I think I was the waitress there, but yes. I, I saw her at the duplex. And yeah. a few months after she and Brian Lasser said, listen, we have a new friend of ours coming from Chicago and he wants to play for singers. You might might like him, like him. Uh, he's he was the he's, best. Uh, he's my my, my guy. Uh, you know, I have to tell you, one oh. night, uh, Dick Gallagher. I loved, loved, loved that man. I never saw him frown. Mm -hmm. I never saw him uh, oh. ever heard him say a negative person about anyone else. Never. And I lived on Forty Seventh Street for a short while. And when I would walk in the door. He treated me like I was the most important person in the room. But it wasn't just me. He did that with everybody. And he would say, come on up and do a number. Come on up and do a number. So one night, I'm going to tell this story, and then I'm going to bring Parker on. One night, this is a lot among the life lessons that you'll hear about. But one night, this woman comes up to me, and she goes, oh, my God, my son would love you. I've got to bring you home. I've got to introduce you to my son. Uh, my son would just go crazy over you. And I was in my 20s. I was young. And, you know, and uh, I think this woman is crazy. Who is this woman? She leaves. Dick Gallagher comes over to me and said, how do you know Edna? Oh, and I said, Edna oh, who? Yeah. 
And he said, that's Mary Mary's mother. <laughs> okay, can Madeline I tell you? Madeline and Natalie Schaefer were two of my biggest supporters and fans when I first started out. And oh. they came to see everything I did. Okay, can uh, I tell you a really fast Edna Madeline story? Yes, yes. She did shows in the back room of Don't Tell Mamas and I was the booking manager and the waitress. I loved Edna. She lived in my neighborhood. I adored her. But she would sing just like she would talk with a New York accent. And so she would sing the Blackberry Winter. And I would hold up a piece of paper in the back of the room. In the dark, nobody could see. It would make me laugh. And at the end of the night, she called me, not Lena, Lena. And she'd go, <laughs> Lena, what are you holding up in the back of the room? And I was like, an R, Edna. I'm holding <laughs> up an R. And she was, oh, you're funny. <laughs> I loved her. I loved her. I loved her. And I'll tell you somebody else that I loved. He's actually been on the show a few times. And I was lucky enough to help and do uh, press for him uh, when uh, years ago with his uh, show. Parker, thank you for opening the door for all three of us and uh, Anne and everybody else. Thank you for doing this series. Oh, it is my pleasure and my passion to do this. I'm so excited. Uh, and and everybody said yes. <laughs> don't you know in this business, don't be careful what you ask for. Carol Channing used to say, be careful what you wish for because you will surely attain it. Yeah. And it's true. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. It's a power of attraction, right? So, Parker, I know that you're originally from Indianapolis, and some of these things you and I have talked about before, but what is it about this genre that you are so attracted to? That That's a good question. Um, way, way back, a long time ago, when I was in high school, I had an amazing music teacher, Mrs. Geraldine Miller, and she wanted to expose her students who were in Indiana, in the Midwest to a wide variety of musical experiences. And one of the things that we did in high school was a dessert cabaret. And this is like 1981, 80, 80, 81. So it was a long time. And I'm like, well, what the heck is a cabaret? And in so high school, you're saying that you school, wow. Right. So uh, she was really progressive uh, for Indiana at the time. And, you know, we transformed our cafeteria into a nightclub, right? <laughs> and she had... She had us audition for for acts in this, and um, I was I sang something from Chicago. I don't remember what it was, um, but it was really kind of cool because it wasn't like a concert performance, and it wasn't like you know anything that I'd ever done before. And I thought, well, that's kind of cool, sort of a neat thing. And then for a long time, I thought I really wanted I wanted to be a singer and be a music teacher. You and I have talked about that before. Um, and then in 1988, I was living in San Francisco and went to the plush room. And it was I one was of the most there. So, yeah. Nana, did you ever perform at the plush room? No. Oh, beautiful room. It, it was amazing. It had this beautiful stained glass kind of ceiling, cove ceiling, and it was just really incredible. Yeah, this is really cool. That'd be something I'd really like to do, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe I won't ever do it. So I was still singing classically and singing in chorales. Um, I've lost track of this question. Don't got it. <laughs> yeah, I asked what it was that uh, pulled you into this genre. Yeah, well, actually, Parker what it needs a director. show myself coming up about being a flight attendant. So there you go. Um, awesome. It's it, it's a whole different experience to share. Music and you know Anna was talking about the healing power of music and that connection you have with the audience and and that really draws me to this genre right it's it because it's again it's not chorale it's not major solo performances in a large concert hall it's a very intimate experience that you share with somebody in a room uh, and you know I I think uh, you know did I hear it from you that you know, when you do it every molecule in the room vibrates and you yeah. stole it. Oh, okay. Well, I'm stealing it from you. So there we go. <laughs> but, Send it you know, on. Pass it on. Um, there's just something magical about this kind of experience, right? 
um, it's it, for me as a performer, it's terrifying because it's just me and the people six feet away from me. Right. Well, you know, San Francisco, when I was performing out there, they had a very vibrant uh, cabaret community. Uh -huh. um, it's not as vibrant now as it was then. And that has nothing to do with the talent that's there. That has to do with economics. That's right, so many right. of these venues that I played in, the plush room being one of them, closed. And then when mm -hmm. I was performing as Carol, one of my favorite cities to perform in, and so I cannot wait, is Washington, D.C. And the Signature Theater had a cabaret series at one time, and mm -hmm. which I was a part of, and there were so many rooms. Um, and this time last year, uh, I had several members of the D.C. cabaret scene on the show. And thank God, all of you keep this going. And I do want to say this. One of the things, you know, as much as we all love Anna, Lena, and I, we have our uh, awards that we've won over the years. But the D.C. cabaret scene is not really based on awards and, you know, competition and everything. It just seems to be this outpouring of people who just want to get up and sing. For the most part, you're right. I mean, I think one of the things that, that, that we have done, that Capital Cabaret is doing, um, we want to create an inclusive environment where singers can come and learn from other singers and build a community with each other. Um, one of the things that, that we're excited about in this cabaret series in March is the DC Showcase that's hosted by Susan Derry. And it's going to be providing a venue for four or five curated performers, up-and-coming performers, to actually hone their craft and do something they haven't done before. And that's going to be an amazing experience to be able to provide that opportunity and sort of help build that, that community organically. Um, one of the things that I loved about San Francisco was everybody believed the pie was big enough, right? Everybody believed that there was enough for everybody. And I can support you. I can encourage you. And I've been places since then that it hasn't been that way. Mm -hmm. But here in D.C., um, it's a whole different kind of vibe, right? I mean, and, and we have an opportunity, at least I'm hoping we have an opportunity, to really kind of fill that, that void of education and, and support for the young people who want to start learning how to do this. Because I tell you, once you've done it, and once you you know the magic that happens in that kind of environment, it's really amazing. You know, I'd like to say something there, um, Parker. That's such a great um, insight into this community because um, I always told young people when I started my career in the Washington area, um, it was such a phenomenal place to get your equity card after a SAG card. There are so many opportunities, so so many phenomenal theaters here where you can really build your resume and do some incredible theater and musicals and all of that. And what's interesting to me is that you are creating this opportunity now for those singers and actors that live and work in this area to explore cabaret. And ironically, but in such a fantastic sort of way, I was doing a show last September in Washington, D.C., and a woman came up to me and said, um, with brilliant Howard Breitbart at the, at the piano, do you guys teach? Because this just was phenomenal. And I said, yes, I do. And so she uh, has hired me now to join the faculty of Levine Music School. Wow. The reason I'm saying this is what did she want me to do? She wanted me to teach musical theater, aspiring musical theater students, how to sing that repertory in a repertoire in concert. Okay. So that is cabaret, yep. which is fantastic. So I think we are going to be creating a huge um, amount of artists here that want to perform this in this art form. Oh, absolutely. I, I agree. And what one of the ways the mechanisms that we do this with Capital Cabaret is we have a monthly open mic at Crazy Aunt Helen's called Curtain Call. And Howard, of course, is the musical director and the accompanist for those evenings. And, and, and if you, Richard and Lena, if you haven't heard Howard, 
you're in for a treat. He is I'm just excited. amazing. Is um, he playing for you, Lena? Yeah. He, no, he's not playing my show. He's playing when I am teaching. Oh, and fantastic. I'm bringing John Weber down from New York. Oh, wow. Because awesome. this will be our second Crazy Ann Helens, and we're on a roll. So, okay. I, you know what, Parker? So, Lena, you played Crazy Ann Helens. Yes. You know, I. I, I've taught in D.C. a handful of times, and I went down through a friend of mine, a magnificent singer named Justin Ritchie, who's also a Navy brat. Yeah. And when I was um, a, a girl, he was being born, both of us in Naples, Italy at the same time, but we didn't know each other. <laughs> um, <laughs> Justin ended up having Rick Jensen and I come down because we taught together a lot. And we did a concert that night. And there was a guy named Shane there who didn't own a place called Crazy Aunt Helen's oh. at the time. But he said he kept me in his head and said that if he ever opened a club, he wanted oh. to ask me first. And he did ask. Wow. He found me. I never met him. He was in the audience. And so the power of music. And what do they say? Mm -hmm. if, you, if you touch one person. And you never really know, but when Shane introduced himself, I got to know that person. And I thought that was a beautiful story. So I'm going back down. But you know what, Parker? I want to tell you that traveling around teaching has, um, I did this thing before the pandemic called The Taste Of. And we mm -hmm. were doing exchange shows. We had A Taste of New York, four singers, go to St. Louis. We had four singers from St. Louis. I put together these shows and brought them to New York. They got great reviews. We were on our way to do it with Chicago and we got shut down. So Becky Menzi and I from Chicago mm. are picking it up again. Mm -hmm. And when I went down the last time to teach and sing at Crazy Ann Helens, we have added DC to our exchange student program. So I'm all about our communities really holding hands. So now it's a taste of DC in Chicago and New York, and I'm going to get that together and talk to you about it. Wonderful. All right. You know, next Wednesday um, is the anniversary of the passing of Laurie Beachman. And so it was just brought, you know, there's a documentary that was done about uh, for Laurie uh, 22 years ago, wow. and it just got released to YouTube. Um, it's Laurie Beachman, Listen to Her Heart. It's only 58 minutes. Oh. Everybody go and see this film. When okay. she was diagnosed uh, with ovarian cancer, uh, she was given two years to live. She ended up living nine years beyond that. But her biggest fear, number one, would be that people would not book her because of her illness. And Richard J. Alexander, um, David Friedman, a lot of people, they got her on stage and she was performing and doing better than ever. And someone asked her, what gets you going? I mean, you go out there and you give your all when you're on that stage. And she said, there are people in that audience. She talked about doing Cats. She did Grisabella longer and more than any other actress um, while she was battling cancer. And, right. and Grisabella if you know the story, yeah. is about this dying cat. And she would go out there and she would give and give and give. And she says, there's someone in that audience tonight who has never had the experience of seeing this show. And so it is such an honor for all of us. And I know that Anna and Lena and you too agree with me to mm -hmm. have the luxury of stepping out on stage in front of an audience and especially people who have never experienced you before. There's nothing like it. But you also, I think Anna said it, you can see them. You said it, Richard, too, that you want the lights on in the back. Mm -hmm. the, the relationship I get from them in their silence, just mm -hmm. it never, oh. ever gets... No, it's not that it doesn't get old. It never ceases to thrill me. It's like, oh my God, one person, a collective audience. It changes all the time. I, mm -hmm. you know, I did this. Um, I used to play in the comedy clubs before I found the cabaret rooms, and we were what was called the relief singers. So um, the headlining singer before me 
um, was Lori Beachman, this woman named Lori Beachman, who went out to get Pippin, and then the coveted spot became available, and I really wanted it. I got it the second time around. The first time around, a chick named Pat Benatar got it. <laughs> I have been floating around excellent company my whole life. <laughs> I opened for Pat Benatar, believe it or not, at Gay Pride Milwaukee. Oh, uh, wow. Festival. Wow. And talk about, I mean, me as Carol Channing on stage opening for Pat Benatar. Audience was so it was so incredible. Oh, I love that. Yes, uh, and uh, you know, and I'll share this story with which I'm telling again next week. But um, I went to see Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Code before it moved to Broadway. That's what I meant, not Pippin. She did Joseph, right? I could see the coat. Sorry. And <laughs> a friend of mine took her, and I. Walked out on, I was sitting on the edge of my seat the moment she hit the stage and I was in love with her. Yeah. So this friend of mine writes to her, tells her that I'm just fresh off the farm in South Carolina. I've come to New York to be an actor. And Laurie Beachman sends me the nicest letter um, wishing me a successful career. And she sent an autograph picture. And I carry that photograph around and it's set on my uh, dressing room table. And then I'm doing a show at the Carter Theater. I don't, do, do, you know, there was a theater, the Carter Hotel yeah. had a theater and someone ransacked the dressing room one night <gasps> and they ripped up the photograph and they yeah. ripped up the little pieces. I called my friend, Teresa, who had uh, oh. written to Laurie Beachman and I told her what had happened. She wrote to Laurie Beachman again and Laurie Beachman <laughs> sent me another photograph and on the mm -hmm. back, she had a tape key and she said, lock this up. Oh. <laughs> she was just so generous and I have found and I'm sure that all of you will agree with me when I say this it's been my experience in this business that the bigger they are the nicer they are and they just want to open doors for you mm -hmm. and it is. I, it's so true it's it's such a loving supportive community and I think it's because we produce ourselves that's mm -hmm. good. And we mm -hmm. need one another to help us build our audiences. And so I just love, I'm so excited. I'm coming. I'm, I, I'm not sure I can come to your Richard. I oh, love your show, but it's because it's the night before. And I'm yeah. like, I'm always just kind of like mm -hmm. quiet and focused. And, um, but I'm coming to Lena's and I'm coming to Anne's and, um, and I'll come see you again. I love your shows. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, but I just love supporting each other. You know, I just, mm -hmm. it, it means so much. And I'm thinking of Andrea Marcovici, who's another mm -hmm. one that's been oh, yep. such a blessed mentor in my life. I mean, so generous directing me, producing me in, on recordings. And, you know, and Kittredge as well. So many shows, yeah. And Kittredge reminds me a little of Andrea. Oh, when I was yeah. watching the, the clip, I thought, ooh, there's that that elegance, but completely right out yeah. there for and what real. Saying. Yeah. One mm -hmm. of my mentors, I mean, I, I got to... Julie Wilson has oh, said yes. brilliant things to me, but uh, this woman, I don't even know if she's a mentor or my big sister or whatever, but she loves me and it makes me feel like a junior high school girl who got a senior in high school to be her best friend, Amanda McBrew. I love oh her my God. So much. Oh, I and, love her too. And when she's like, well, honey, I love you. I'm like, <laughs> I love her and I'm in South Carolina and cannot go see her in Anne Hampton Calloway at oh, below. What and that pisses that me off yeah Both are you allowed to say this me Yes, yes, you are. You can say who you want on this show. I love them both yes. so much. Uh, Parker, um, you know, one of the biggest issues that a lot of artists have nowadays is, um, I mean, Anna and Lena and I are, if you'll forgive me, ladies, for saying this, uh, are of a certain age. And we were in New York City at a time when there was not social media. And people got out of their houses to go see shows. And mm -hmm. it was incredible. Like I said, when I opened midnight, uh, midnight shows, uh, people were there. 
uh, you walked out and uh, 46th Street was like a, and especially Grove Street, uh, both of those streets were like block parties. You saw everybody that you knew. It was this feeling of support. Everybody was there. What I loved about Don't Tell Mama, with all due respect to everyone now, was that at that time, when it was just one piano uh, cabaret room, um, you could go, and I remember one night, Lena, being there, sitting with Dick Gallagher, and they came in and they said, Lena Katrakis is going on in 15 minutes. If you want to see the show, let your waitron, remember no, that? No. <laughs> and your one of your drinks can go towards your two-drink minimum. And there was an encouragement oh. to get people out of the piano bar into the cabaret rooms. Because mm-hmm. Irv Rabel, God bless him, and Sydney early on, the goal was not the piano bar. It was the cabaret room. And it was getting people into those rooms. And now, you know, Annie Hughes, love, uh, who is a dear friend, uh, a few years ago, she comes to New York and she says, let's go to Don't Tell Mama. I said, Annie, it's not the same vibe. And we went, she said, I was just going to stand at the bar. They said, you can't stand at the bar. You have to be seated. And at the tables, it's a two drink minimum in the piano bar. And so they are not encouraging people to go see the shows. Mm. And 90% of the people that are sitting in the piano bar area have no idea there's a show even going on in the back room. You know, I've often thought about it. I wonder what it is. And I think it's obviously a collection of things. But the idea that there were club owners like Irv Rabel, who owned uh, Brandy's Piano Bar, 88, Don't Tell Mamas, and The Duplex, all of those. And uh, even Alan Pepper, the owner of The Bottom Line, who Irv learned how to do his business from, these guys... They were not wealthy, so I don't really know how they did it, but their bottom line was not the money. That's almost not available anywhere. And I I don't even know how they did that, number one. And number two, it was before AIDS. So we were all out all the time, late at night. And then I was a lot younger and so was my audience, but I don't see young people going out for live music either, the way we did. As the waitress, I worked midnight shows on Saturday nights, seven o'clock, nine o'clock, midnight. Richard, Sharon McKnight, Jennifer Lewis, Karen Mason, Nancy Lamont. Yeah, it was different time. And Jennifer Lewis. Is still a very dear friend of mine. And you remember this, Lena. She would walk in and she'd say, everybody, I got a show going on. Meet me in the back room. And she would hand out cards to everybody in the room. And, you know, and I'll tell you somebody else who did the same thing. Billy Porter. That's right. And look at the two of them. They are both... You know, in movie stars. Now, I do have to say, I used to say to Jennifer Lewis all the time, I wish you'd get famous because you are the only person I can imitate. And now she's famous. And I thought, well, wow, all I, I, I didn't know it was that easy. And she used to call me Diva Katrakis. Diva Katrakis. What do you want to say? I Diva love Katrakis? her. Me too. Well, I enough to go to the opening night of Hello, Dolly with Bette Midler. And I am sitting in... Every person you can name was in that audience. And Jennifer Lewis walks in and because, you know, she was one of the harlots. Mm -hmm. I mean, her and Bette started out together. Right, right, right. I forgot that one. She sees me. I'm sitting in the front row and she screams, oh my God, that Skipper guy is here. (laughs) Who is that? Oh. (laughs) Oh my God. Those days were so incredible. Parker, what is your main method now of trying to get an audience in Washington, D.C., not only for this series, but for everything? Doing a show every seven years works, Parker. (laughs) I'm learning that. (laughs) That's a really good question, Richard. And I think I'm I'm going to say for for Capital Cabaret and for the other things, we have been incredibly fortunate to have a partner in crime um, in the owner of Crazy Aunt Helen's. 
he has a very strong commitment to live theater and a very strong commitment to getting people out of their seats and out of their houses into the community again. And um, his name is Shane Mason. Love him to death. And I'm going to tell you, what he's doing is working. I mean, if you look at Crazy Aunt Helen's events page, they're booked. I mean, and people are there. I mean... And and it's it's a nice variety and it's a nice mix of stuff. It's not just cabaret shows. It's not just drag shows. I mean, it's, it's just an incredibly supportive and um, encouraging owner of a venue, much like you were like you were talking about Earth, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he is the person who came and saw me, kept me in his head, and when he opened Crazy Ann Helens, yeah. he called me, and yeah. I yeah. did not know him. He is one of those club owners who, God bless him, is leading with his heart, and yes. the money is following, mm. yep. if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and I will tell you, we would not be able to do this without his support and without his encouragement, uh, and his his... I say support, I think it's just indescribable in terms of. of I agree. Um, special. My way. I'd love to have him come on the show. Oh, yes, you okay. should have him. He's a very special man. Yeah, I did call him and ask him if he would be here, but he, he had a commitment to him, so he wasn't able to. But I will definitely. Yeah. Uh, and Lena, you can put some pressure on him, too. I will. <laughs> I want to ask you because, you know, and if I'm speaking out of line, please forgive me, uh, but I'm just going to put it out there. Um, I think you mentioned to me uh, early on that some of the local talent are going to be opening for each of us each night. Is that still in place? No, unfortunately, oh, it's not. Oh. I know, I know. Uh, it was, the, the logistics of things kind of percolating until the last minute. Um, just really, it was very hard to nail down who was going to do what, when, where, and getting things coordinated. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen next year because this goes back to that brilliant that, idea. You better bring me back then. I can't wait to see who's going to open for me. <laughs> There's so many DC singers I love. Well, I will tell you this, you know, uh, because I am very, very fortunate. I'm going to bring up the postcard because I am so excited. And I love this photo in the current issue of Cabaret Scenes Magazine. There's a feature article on Michael Mackesy. And Michael Mackesy has truly paid, if he's watching, he's truly paid his dues in this business. He's been around a long time. He is so much fun. He has done so many things. And my original choice for the show was not able to do the show. And someone said, and this solidified it for me. You need a Barry Manilow for your Bette Midler. And that mm-hmm. is Michael Mackesy. And so Michael said, I got the perfect picture. I'm going to bring it up. Here we are. This is, at, uh, I am doing the show the week before at Roost, uh, which is here in Spark Hill, where I live in Rockland mm-hmm. County. And one of the things that Michael is doing, and I'm just going to put it up, I'm putting you on the spot marker. But because he is a piano bar player, mm-hmm. before I come out, he's doing 15 minutes with the audience. So Perfect. if oh. you want him to do that, he will yep. get that audience uh, in the mood for the evening. And uh, so, uh, which I think is a wonderful idea. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, we'll talk more about that. We'll, do, we'll have an offline conversation about that. But I think one of the things that we wanted to do is really bring in the local talent, too, like I was talking about, because that's really one of the core missions of our organization is really fostering local talent and really giving them an opportunity to grow. Um, and there's another another chat altogether, but that will probably happen next year when we have a lot, we have more lead time to get things moving and more consistency with scheduling. Well, listen, Parker, I mean, I do a lot of these planning my workshops in different parts of the universe and things like that. And I have to applaud you. Um, I think it's beautiful what you're doing. I also am getting to know you so I know where you're coming from with it. Much like Shane Mason, it's a great place. I really love it. And I think the idea of you doing it the way you are this year we are a little bit more established at present. So you're kind of introducing it with a bang. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's 
perfect for this year. Mm. You know, I really, really do. I, I, I'm glad to be part of it, but I'm also watching you from afar and thinking, attaboy, that is, it's a beautiful contribution. It is. Thank and you. you're doing it well. Yeah. Well, speaking of beautiful contributions, all of you <laughs> have given so much joy to me. Uh, I have been very fortunate. I love, love, love. Anyone who knows me knows this about me. I love being on stage. <laughs> I also love being in the audience. Yeah. You know, when you are in a, a group of people, and I have been fortunate enough to be in the audience for all of you. So I'm the lucky one. Um, we are at the end of our show. I'm going to do my uh, closing comments. Then I'm going to turn it over to you, Anna, Lena, and Parker. I'd like you to have the final word about tonight. For all of you, it could be about anything that we talked about that you want to build upon, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message you want to leave everyone with tonight. Uh, those of you who watch the show, and I thank so many of you, I'm looking right now on the screen, I see Pam and Natasha and Sherry. Uh, you show up every day for me. So thank you uh, for being here. We love what we do. Uh, and we would do it in the comfort of our own living rooms. I know all of us would. But there's nothing like having that audience out there. So if you're not in Washington, D.C., tell at least five or six people that you do know who were in Washington, D.C. Not only about the three of us and Ann Kittredge, uh, but all the shows that are going to be there for the entire week. And you can get a package deal as well which I think is a wonderful thing uh, to be able to go and see all of these shows. I am so excited because as I said earlier, it's been four years since I've had the chance to do any of this. And when Parker reached out to me and asked me if I would be there, it was easy to say yes. Uh, I didn't even give it a second thought. So thank you, Parker, for opening this door for me again. It means the world to me. Um, I end every show by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Pick up the phone and call someone that you have not spoken to in a long time. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, a phone call. And let that person know how they've made a difference in your life. It's very important that we do these things now instead of posting it all over social media after they've left and we don't know if we can see it or not. So do it, it's important that we do that. Um, Sean Moniger, uh, who, when I was doing my show at Don't Tell Mama, uh, he was the lighting designer, him and Bobby Nealon, uh, both did sound and lights for me when I was starting out with the first show with Lena. And Sean Moniger once says, we're all in this together, but we're mm -hmm. not in the same boat. And then someone else said to me, we're all in the same storm, but we're in different size boats. And mm -hmm. I don't care if you are in a canoe or a raft or a sailboat, or if you're pushing a tugboat upstream like Barbara Streisand, whatever it is that you're on that size boat, make sure that you have a skipper by your side. <laughs> and on that note, I'm going to leave. And Anna, I'm going to turn it over to you. I love you all so much. Thank you all oh for being here today. Anna, it's well, yours. Thank I you. just want to say, Richard, to me, you're like the epitome of cabaret because Richard is the most loving, nurturing, and inspiring person. And he so supports us all as artists. And so I want to just say that I'm really excited for this Capital Cabaret. Um, and thank you, Parker, for making this happen. Because I think this is, as Lena has said, this is the beginning of something really magical and phenomenal in the Washington. I want to also add Washington, Maryland, and DC. We're known as the DMV. We're all three states. Uh -huh. And right. And so I just want to say that I'm just so excited that we're going to be giving to our audiences in Washington, Maryland, and Virginia all this love and inspiration and joy with this live music and these live performances. So thank you. I'm so excited to be part of it and to support my fellow artists. We're glad to gonna do it. Thank you, Anna. Um, oh, we're, we're on our own here. Here we go. I just wanna say that, like I said earlier, I love having this kind of conversation, talking about what we're lucky enough to do. So thank you to Richard. And uh, I, 
old and new friends on this on this evening, and I look forward to being with all of you live and in person, doing what we love at the first Capitol Cabaret in D.C. At the very end of March, I will be there with bells on. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Parker. Thanks, Lena. March 18th through the 25th, mark your calendars. It's going to be a great, great week. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Anna. Thank you, Lena. And thank you, everyone, who is supporting this. And... Uh, I'm going to go first before you all. That's all.